Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can take no more. You may think you've seen it all. Welcome to the Get Happy with Jay podcast. I'm your host, Jatan Woods. In the past year of this podcast existence, I've had the pleasure of having several phenomenal women as guests. And for this episode, it's my pleasure to welcome another one. Dr. Rita Ali is well known in our community as a leader and a problem solver. She's been a leader in diversity and education at Illinois Central College and Bradley University and has led successful initiatives and programs to help at-risk youth in the community. We also welcome back attorney Don Jackson and community activist Karen Wilson. So thanks to all of you for joining us on this episode. My pleasure. Yes. Yes. It's going to be a great show. Dr. Ali has enjoyed a successful career and is now tackling local politics. So we're going to dig right in. Dr. Ali, what initially made you interested in running for a public office? Because you've already done so much in your illustrious career. You could have just at this point rested on your laurels because you've already (laughs) done more than enough. So why politics at this point? Well, thank you, Jatan, for such a beautiful intro. Um, I've been active in the community since I was a teenager. So, you know, I love Peoria. I love being an advocate for the residents of Peoria and trying to do those things that help to improve the quality of life. So I've been on the outside, really, of the political circles and the political tables, and I thought it was time to be at the table in the room where key decisions are made. So I decided to to toss my hat in. Uh, I did that two years ago when I ran for at-large, city council at-large in the fifth, excuse me, I'm sorry, city council fifth district. And as many know, I lost that election by one vote. Again, one (laughs) vote. One One vote, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. I was ahead election night by three votes. And then as the uh, mail-in votes continued to come in, uh, it's began to narrow the margin. And ultimately, I lost by that one single vote, which goes to show you that every single vote counts. And what was that like? That had to have been kind of harrowing, as you said, you were ahead by the slimmest of margins, and then it turned out that you lose by one vote. What was that like? And at some point, were you ever like throwing in the towel saying, well, that's it. I tried my hand at it and I'm not going to do it again. So what gave you the unction to go for it again? I never decided not to try it again. In fact, it was very exciting for me uh, that I came that close in the fifth district and, and almost won that election. Uh, it energized me, uh, the support that I had, you know, throughout the fifth district, uh, the kind of endorsements I had. And so 
I knew even when I accepted the one vote loss that I was going to run again. And I think that day, I think I announced to people that mm-hmm. I'm going to run at large. And I know everyone in this room is so glad that you have. So what have you learned about yourself and this community in this process? Because Karen and I have had the pleasure of interviewing Jessica Thomas, who recently ran and won a position. And from what she said, she was kind of taken through the ringer. It was just such an eye-opening experience. So has it been that way for you? It's been been very eye-opening, but it's also been enlightening. Um, you know, the people have energized me. The people want to see representation. Uh, they want their voice heard mm. through leaders uh, like myself. Um, I've been encouraged, you know, uh, I've learned that you have to be bold. Mm-hmm. You have to be strong. <laughs> you have to be humble. And you have to work really hard, uh, not just to get into office, but then after getting office, I think governing is going to be even much more difficult. But but I do, uh, I know that people want representation. They want diversity and inclusion at the table. And with some of the issues that we're facing in Peoria, we have to have that uh, representation. Absolutely. Go ahead, Don. Yeah, you know, I was one of those who two years ago was uh, somewhat surprised that you didn't challenge the vote count uh, at that time. What was your thinking uh, by not it was so close. One vote. Mm-hmm. I want to repeat that again so that those who are listening will understand mm-hmm. their vote does count. Mm-hmm. But one vote. And uh, so I was surprised that you didn't challenge that. Mm-hmm. What, what was your Well, thinking? actually, I, I did challenge in the sense that I uh, wanted a recount. And that was my way of challenging initially because I didn't have to ask for a recount. I, I could have mm-hmm. settled for that. And so I requested a recount, which, you know, his attorneys were there, my attorneys were there, and we watched the whole recount process. And that was a learning process in itself. And then when it came down to that final vote, there were some, uh, it was based upon some mail-in ballots. And one of the mail-in ballots was uh, a 93-year-old woman who had voted for him, uh, uh, my opponent, and it was signed by someone else. And I could have challenged that ballot, but I don't, I honestly don't think it would have done me good in terms of, of goodwill, uh, to challenge that particular ballot. We, it would have been a long court case because then he could have challenged my ballots. Uh, we would have went back and forth. Uh, we could have combed through each other's, um, Ballots in terms of did somebody really live at the address that they said they lived at? It could have been drug, drug out in court for a very long time. I didn't want to put the people through that process. I didn't want to put myself through that process or my family. And so I decided I'm going to accept this and I'm going to run again. But in that circumstances, um, if there was, you know, sufficient evidence to show that the person whose ballot was to be counted, in mm-hmm. fact, did not sign it, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't that cause an automatic rejection of that ballot? Not necessarily, um, because her son signed it, and it was with her permission, he said. And it, it was, it was, you know, it was compli- it was a complicated issue. A judge would have had to make a determine, determination on that. But again, Donna wouldn't have ended mm-hmm. there. 
And so I, you know, I, I am comfortable with the decision that I made, uh, to move forward. I, I think it has brought me, brought a lot of confidence from other people in the city. It has actually brought more support. The fact that, that I did, uh, decide to just move forward, put that behind me and, and run again. Well, one, one other question that I have. What do you see as the single most important issue? Uh, confronting the city of Peoria today? I would say it's population loss. Mm -hmm. We are losing people at levels that we have not seen in in decades. Um, Since, you know, the early 80s when when Caterpillar had laid off so many people. But people are leaving the city because of jobs. They're leaving the city because of taxes, high taxes. Uh, They're leaving the city because we've got issues with crime and and uh, t- again, property taxes in many different forms, you right, know, kind of right. hidden property taxes. But we have, they're not seeing progress and they're not seeing a great vision for this city. And those people, for the most part, are not coming back. But, you know, they continue to vote for the same leadership uh, that has got us into, into this situation, you know, either in the mayor's chair or, or city council persons. Who sit around, who have sit around, sat around the horseshoe for 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. They have gotten us into this mess. Mm-hmm. And yet people return them to the, to the uh, council chamber. So. Well, I say let's see what happens this time because I agree that people are, are fed up with the lack of change. We need a change agent. I am a change agent. And, uh, I think that people want change in leadership. Otherwise, we're going to get the same result. Right. Right. I agree with that. And the problems run so deep in this community. I just did a podcast two weeks ago where I had a a local pastor on that brought it to my attention about the segregation in this community that we are. The city of Peoria is number one in the entire nation of having the most segregated schools. And we're number six in the nation for segregated housing. So do you have any ideas on how to combat that? Because I mean, that's huge. Yes. And I would clarify that it's not the city of Peoria. It's our MSA, our Metropolitan Statistical Area, that is the considered the most segregated schools in the entire nation, worse than Selma, Alabama. And that's unfortunate. But housing, race and place have a lot to do with that. The fact that people um, have there's been white flight from certain neighborhoods like the south side of Peoria that is 61605 is one of the most economically depressed areas mm-hmm. in in the state uh and one of the 100 most economically depressed in the nation uh so you know we have people that have moved out of the south side because of race and because of poverty uh, because of schools, issues with schools. Um, and so it, it has and, uh, the lack of affordable housing. I do have to say that, Don, you asked about one of the, the main reasons or top issues. The lack of affordable housing is a real issue in, in all over Peoria. And when I say affordable housing, I don't just mean public housing that's owned by the PHA or, you know, Section 8 vouchers. I mean housing uh, that with owned by private developers. We don't have enough of it. 61605 has over 900 vacant lots. Uh, they have 
properties, homes that are boarded up, uh, homes that have been torn down never to be, you know, not to be rebuilt again. So even if someone wanted to find quality housing in the south side area, there's not enough. So they yet, have to move to other areas. You know, and yet this is not a new issue with the city. Uh, I know the NAACP has continuously, even when I was president for the 15 years that I was, brought this to the attention of the city. And uh, uh, even the fact that in the south side, if you can believe it, there are still neighborhoods that don't have sidewalks. I mean, yeah. th- th- I'm not talking about sidewalks that may have crumbled over the years. I'm talking about no sidewalks at Ever. all. They, that they haven't ever had sidewalks. Ever had sidewalks, right. and yet we still talk about building roundabouts out in the northern part of the city and mm-hmm. giving land to sports, uh, you know, and building sidewalks around uh, those facilities. So it's been leadership, and yet, you know, how many years was Jim Maloof in office? How many years has Jim Artis been in office? Mm-hmm. We've it's, been a di- disconnected community, and I live in the north part mm-hmm. of the city, but a lot of my work has been where the need is, where mm-hmm. the greatest need is. And, you know, that's where we need to bring our, our citizens together. I think about the South Side where I grew up. It was an integrated community back when I grew up. Uh, of course, that's where more of the African Americans live, but there were plenty of whites that lived there. And many of those people have moved out. They live in, you know, other parts of the city or they live even outside. I would love to reunite the South Side alumni. And I'm talking about those people of all different races. Many of them are very wealthy. Some of them live in other parts of the nation. But I think they still have fond memories of growing up on the South Side of Peoria, and they still care about it. And I think we have to find a way to engage them to invest in projects and, you know, find opportunities uh, for them to invest in the community that they grew up in. That's a good notion. Never thought about that. I'm one of those that Grew up in the South Side, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first families to move in what used to be uh, fondly called the Warner Homes. Oh, I you remember know, the that. Yes. government housing. Yes. And, so, uh, uh, you know, I lived in there for most of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm one of those South Siders. Mm-hmm. So are there any plans with the city to, um, to you said that, uh, you said the statistic was 900 vacant lots. Is there any plan with the city to, um, do anything with those? I know I sat on a committee about doing the urban farming and everything, and I'm cool with that too. But if it's already zoned residential, why wouldn't you put a house on that lot? And I I talk about this a lot. My parents, they, I grew up in Galesburg, and my dad uh, designed our house and um, had it built, and they did that by saving their money. They paid two thousand dollars for the lot. $2,000 for the lumber. And um, I mean, are there any programs for people to be able to get a mortgage or um, do you, do you have any insights on that? There's been some programs, you know, off and on, I, I would say it hasn't been consistent and it have, hasn't been sufficient. We need more programs that um, encourage and incentivize home ownership. And, you know, even those empty lots, Sometimes they have been given away or purchased for a dollar or something from the city. If someone was to do something positive, like a community garden, for example, having a com- community garden in an area that is a, f- a food desert, uh, and that's a problem as well. 
but, you know, I, I think that we have to generate more external resources um, outside of the city budget to bring in more resources for those types of programs and opportunities. I, we should have more business development going on in the south side, and I think MacArthur Highway is a great example. Mm-hmm. It's a corridor that is connected very closely to downtown and the warehouse district. It's right down the street from Bradley University. Uh, I think that an, an encouraging investment there, you know, it's not so deep into the south side that someone would fear uh, failure, but I think that there could be small-scale development there could be affordable housing there, and there could be businesses along that corridor. And I think, you know, perhaps it is already an opportunity zone that we could encourage investors who could delay their capital gains uh, on their taxes by, you know, making an investment into a project. The city owns much of the, the land on MacArthur Highway. Those, If someone came up with a good project and they proposed it, then the city could maybe even give them that land if they approve of the project. I might mention that there is a program that uh, came into existence more than 15 years ago uh, that's operated by the Community Action Agency. And that program, I clearly remember uh, before it was approved, going to the city council and having to convince them that it was the right thing to do. In essence, the Community Action Agency built 85 single-family homes in the south side. And the, the deal was they did it with uh, tax credits uh, to corporations or uh, entities that wanted, wanted to buy the tax credit. And they used that money to build the homes. And the deal was that people could live in the home as if renting it, but after 15 years, the homes had to be turned over to somebody for owner, home ownership. And they could purchase the homes at the uh, the cost of the residual value uh, of the, the home, not the residual value, but the, the contract value of the home at the time. Whatever the mortgage was after 15 years, they could buy the home for that. So we're in the process, or the community action agency is in the process now of uh, going through that process of uh, turning those homes over to the people who actually uh, have invested in them for over that Yes, and that's period. the Okpara project. That's correct. Very yeah, successful correct. and, uh, you know, Community Action Agency, also known as PCCEO, Peoria Citizens Committee for Economic Opportunity, has done some great work in terms of housing, new housing, affordable housing on the south side, including the very successful uh, Spring Grove project right. where right. many middle, you know, middle to upper class uh, professionals reside. Right. That has been a very successful absolutely enclave mm-hmm. in that part of the community. Um, a big thing to tackle, though, is crime on the south side of Peoria. So many shootings. We just had an unfortunate um, murder-suicide this past week, and the week before that there was a double homicide. So I'm, I'm very encouraged what you said about business development because Business development and job opportunities go hand in hand. Where there's not these opportunities for jobs, you have poverty, which breeds crime. So that's a big thing to tackle. You are so, so right. And it's not just the south side. It's, you know, we see it more so Mm -hmm. on the south side Mm -hmm. and the east bluff, but it is starting to spread in other parts of the city. And, and, you know, the fact that, you know, education still 
is the great equalizer. Mm -hmm. We have to provide more education, address the skill shortages for, uh, you know, those demographics of people where there's a disparity. And African-Americans, there is a disparate uh, condition there where education, there's a more lack of education and then a lack of skills. We have to address the skill shortages and education and skills, a credential, I would say, beyond high school mm -hmm. so that people can get a job that provides a living wage. Uh, if you have an educated uh, and skilled community, you're going to reduce crime. You are going to reduce crime. And we have to build strong neighborhood organizations. Um, you know, I, I think we even have to use technology more to address the crime issues that we're seeing now because we have a lot of unsolved murders. Too and many. It's yes, frightening. Yes. You know, some of that is, is, uh, is leadership as well. And I am concerned about that. You know, you mentioned this most recent murder-suicide. Uh, I am appalled at the way that was handled by our Peoria Police Department. This young lady, first of all, the shooter, who eventually took his own life, uh, had just been released from prison, and he had just been released from prison from serving, I don't know, two years or so, for assaulting the very person he killed. Mm -hmm. And yet, when she complained to the, the police department before the shooting, they sort of treated her as, so, so uh, go to live in a safer place someplace then. That, that was their response to her. Instead of realizing this man had just been released from prison, he had, there was evidence he had a gun because somebody had taken his picture with a gun. And yet, instead of going and picking that guy up at the moment, I mean, he had already committed a crime by being a felon in possession of a gun. They simply gave her advice to go someplace else, uh, more, uh, more safe than where she was living at. But there's a, there's a larger point here. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, Finance was very important to the city of Peoria. And yet that incident has now exposed the city uh, to further liability. Mm -hmm. I can very well see some enterprising attorney deciding to sue the city on behalf of the children of that uh, of that union. Yeah, uh, four young lady. children, four including young a newborn children, left behind. Suing them uh, uh, for the negligence of the city in handling that situation. Your thoughts on that? I think it was a un very unfortunate situation, and I can't speak to the details because I'm, I'm just not privy to all those uh, details, but very unfortunate situation. And um, I, I think there's a number of situations that occurred that sub subject our city to lawsuits and that again you're right leadership matters it matters um but i think overall when it comes to domestic violence and even sexual assaults there's a problem in this city that they're still not taken seriously oh there's you no would question be about um yeah. you would be shocked mm -hmm. at the low percentage of convictions of uh, sexual um, predators and assailants in this community. I think it's around 2%. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So I think mm -hmm. domestic violence issues and issues of sexual assault, as well as other forms of violence in general, really have to be addressed in a serious way in this community and across the country because everything that we're talking about on the show we're speaking specifically about the Peoria, Illinois area, but the same things that we're discussing, it's going on across the country. Absolutely. So to all my listeners that have listeners that 
live all across the country and even outside the U.S., uh, their communities are facing these same problems. Yeah, I believe a young African-American male who commits a traffic uh, uh, crime in the south side of the city of Peoria would draw more police attention <coughs> than uh, this shooting of this young lady uh, and her concerns prior to uh, the incident itself. That's, not, that's tragic, but it's true uh, in this city. So um, part of what I'm excited about is you running, and I wonder your excitement about the literally thousands of women all across the country who have uh, run. Has that kind of buoyed you and given you more excitement for your own run? I mean, women are running for local positions, state um, for positions in Congress, and we've seen this. uh, the last midterm elections was so successful. We have the most diverse Congress that we've probably ever had and so many women. So what do you think about that? And and you're a a part of that locally. Yes, I'm excited. Women are not just running, but women are winning. Yes. And uh, now they're running for president. You know, multiple women are running for president. And it just I mean, it's it's inspirational for me. I hope that my run is inspirational for other women and other women of color as well. Um, you know, I think that we're seeing a diversity of women mm-hmm. uh, that are running for office now. And it's, it's you know, it's time. It's yeah, time. it absolutely is. And maybe we'll have a better chance now at a female presidential <laughs> candidate because they sure took Hillary through the ringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so you know, what do you think, Don? It's, it's kind of uh, amazing or interesting. Uh, I heard one of the... Um, commentators on one of the news shows mentioned the fact that uh, um, President Trump's uh, base, his 30% base, got him elected. Well, I can't deny that they were part of the reason he was elected, but we cannot excuse the 52% of white female voters who voted for Trump instead of Hillary in the last election. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am very pleased to see women in numbers that are now running for political office. And uh, I was one of those that, that, and I'm not ashamed to reveal, that I voted for Hillary. And I can see in this field of candidates, at least from the Democratic side so far, there are a number of well-qualified females that could be president of this United States Mm -hmm. and do a remarkably better job than uh, number 45. Well, that bar is set yeah. so low. <laughs> and and I would remind, yes, I, I would remind people that uh, the city council election is a nonpartisan election. Even though we know, you know, partisan partisanship gets in there, works its way in, unfortunately, it is intentionally nonpartisan. And I'll tell you, in running for the 5th District, if if Republicans did not vote for me, I would not have gotten as far as I had gotten because mm-hmm. 5th District is probably 80-plus percent Republican. Uh, so it's um, it's Im- important that, you know, people vote not just because, for city council, not just because a person is uh, Republican or Democrat, because they're qualified. Absolutely. That should be what we look at uh, any position for. That's because, always guided yeah. my vote in the past. Uh, yeah, that's how I am. I mean, you know, admittedly, I mostly end up voting Democratic because of a lot of social issues. 
But um, if there's been a Republican, I voted for a Republican in the midterms uh, in a local position because I always want to be an informed voter. Yes. I want to know um, wh- what policies um, you're promoting. Yes. And if you have something good to say, regardless as to what political party that uh, you affiliate yourself mm-hmm. with, I should as an intellectual voter, be yes. open to that, regardless yes. as to who you are. I think that's very important, and it's going to definitely be important coming up. You know, one of the things that's critical in the city of Peoria is our budget system. You mentioned earlier that people were leaving the community because of not only the real estate taxes, but mm-hmm. all of those fees. Yes, which are, are also more, property taxes. <laughs> nothing yeah. more than a tax. Yes. Well, you take the garbage. That was originally you paid, paid for that separate and apart from your real estate taxes. But in order to make room for another assessment, they put that on your real estate taxes. And there's now. talk about putting other uh, taxes exactly. on, the real, on yeah. the real estate taxes. And that concerns me, you know, because... It becomes like a kind of a hidden fee. You forget about it, and then it mm-hmm. kind of stays there probably indefinitely. Well, the last city council meeting that I attended, uh, the city manager, uh, Patrick Urich, uh, pretty much put people on notice that uh, there may be another $200,000 budget hole that has to be filled, and they mm-hmm. were going to look to the fire department to fill that again. Mm-hmm. And your thoughts on that, how uh, this whole issue with the budget and where mm-hmm. we're going to be at next year or well, the next four years. Yeah, we shouldn't be learning at the 11th hour that we've got a $6 million budget deficit that we have to address. The planning needs to be more proactive. It needs to be projected. We need to, to determine or be able to estimate a year, at least a year ahead on what our budget situation is going to look like. And if we're going to have a deep, cut we need to begin working on that and and monitoring that along the way and and figuring out ways to generate income for Peoria and that's one thing we're cutting 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 to the degree that we're beginning to cut basic uh, services for the city public safety for example um, cut we can you know I think we're pretty lean right now we right. continue to get more deeper cuts and we're going to be hurting and people's lives could actually be at stake. So we have to find ways to generate income through external resources, through private development. We have to ingest more, inject uh, outside capital within our city. And there's ways that that can be done, economic development. I but wish- at, at the same time, Mr. Jackson, we also have to address those issues of severe and deep disparities within the city, and I believe that that should be an equity agenda. I wish we were in a position like the city of New York to be able to turn turn away Amazon <laughs> Amazon and 25,000 jobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, because they were getting some tax benefits. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure the city of New York um, made a decision that they could uh, provide those incentives to Amazon before they agreed to it, but uh, in, in many respects, those new politicians we mm-hmm. talked about. Yeah, AOC right, was a big opponent to that. one of those mm-hmm. that uh, caused this, Amazon to finally say, enough's enough, we're, we're not going to build here. Mm-hmm. Well, Amazon, if anyone's listening, we would welcome you to the city of Peoria Amen. with open yeah, arms. <laughs> plenty of buildings and plenty of <laughs> space. Right. I wouldn't can... mind if they go to Chicago. Chicago fit the criteria more so than Peoria, and they did apply. 
But, you know, if Amazon's in Chicago, Peoria could greatly benefit. Yes, we right. could definitely benefit. And if I may, since we're I'm talking about Chicago, one of the uh, projects that I want to work aggressively on uh, when elected to the council is getting Amtrak passenger rail in Peoria. That would be a blessing. Yes. Peorians have to drive to Galesburg or to Bloomington to catch a train to mm-hmm. Chicago or to St. Louis or to Memphis and, and other cities when we should be able to have the convenience of catching that train right here. It could be a good project for jobs as well because mm-hmm. it's 80 miles of track. It's 40 miles to Bloomington, 40 miles to Galesburg, but a great incentive to connect people to larger cities. They could even sometimes go to work, you know, in Chicago and come back the same day. Mm -hmm. But to connect those two markets or those three markets, if you count St. Louis, but to make Peoria a more connected city, to have such a feature like that, that attracts young people Mm -hmm. to stay or connects us culturally as well. You can go to Chicago, watch a play and come back the same evening on Amtrak. So that's a project that I will work very hard to bring to Peoria. And are there any initiatives that you're aware of within city government today to make that happen? Actually, you know, some people are opposed to TIF, but passenger rail is actually one of the purposes that you can use a TIF mm-hmm. for. And uh, Representative Sherry Bustos has been very effective at getting passenger rail in Rockford. And, you know, I would want to solicit her assistance uh, for Peoria as well. She's made it work for Rockford now. They're, they're, they used to have to drive elsewhere, but they're going to have passenger rail right there available to them in Rockford now. That's amazing. That shows that it can be done. It yeah, can be exactly. done. And if my recollection is, collect, is correct, I think when Rayla Hood was the uh, – was the Secretary of Transportation under the Obama administration. Yes, sir. He had investigated that possibility. Is that he correct? was he was moving forward with that when things, you know, uh, they changed when he uh, moved himself, you know, from that office. But mm-hmm. Secretary LaHood was on a roll with getting passenger rail in Peoria. Well, you got my support 100% Thank on that. You. I think that's yes. an excellent initiative. That would yeah. that would be incredible because I know for us, uh, my husband has a terrible fear of flying. So unfortunately, we well, I can't say unfortunately, but we take the train oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And it is such a hassle to have to drive to Galesburg or mm-hmm. to Bloomington. Yes. There is a third place that you can somewhere close around that you can get the train. A small community. Can't, has, all of them are small. I think yeah. it's can't. Canton. Oh, really? Kiwani is one as well. But yeah. it's, it's you know, they're usually college towns like Macomb. and right. uh, But we're a college town, too. Yeah, we, we are. You Bradley know. University. Yeah, yeah we've got yeah, Bradley. Illinois we, Central College. Yes, right. we've got a number. We've got Robert Morris. We've right. got Mid-State. We've, we're a college town. We really are. And yeah. there are people want it. I've, I, mm-hmm. I've talked to people. They would love to have it here. What do you think the financial benefit to the city of Peoria will be uh, as a result of OSF uh, taking over the old block and cool building well, in downtown Peoria. Right. I, you know, I think it will create some opportunities for uh, contracts with hopefully minority businesses as well. Um, I think it will help to bring more jobs to the community. I don't think that they'll have to pay taxes on that property because, yeah, because right. they're a not-for-profit. So I think that's the only drawback financially. But uh, again, I'm I'm proud that OSF is investing in downtown and also in the old Cubs Foods 
uh, store that's been vacant for so long on Knoxville. Over and a just decade, recently, I think. They mentioned mm-hmm. uh, they've taken over the old uh, uh, building out on uh, War Memorial Drive uh, that used to be the manufacturer of uh, garden. Uh, mm-hmm. The former mayor owned the, the oh, that building. RLI, maybe? RLI. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. And also, there's a new innovation hub, it's called, and they're actually um, in partnership with ICC. They're per- going to purchase um, through a, a uh, I think it's federal funding, the old Thomas, the ICC Thomas building Fantastic. downtown for innovation yeah. hub. And that's a very exciting project. Oh, yeah, that's great. Well, it sounds like you have lots of wonderful ideas for our city. And uh, I know as a broadcaster, I'm not supposed to show my partiality. But since this is my podcast, I can do so. So I know all of us, welcome. Uh, we uh, wish you the best of Thank luck you. in this upcoming election. Thank and you. as you all have heard earlier, she lost before by one vote. So that means every single vote counts. We want everyone to get out and to be an active participant in the voting process for these local elections because far too many of us set these out and only vote when it comes to presidential elections. So it's so important. It's even more important, I think, for you to be involved in these local elections. So uh, Election Day is coming up soon, and uh, we will be just uh, wishing the best for you and giving you just every ounce of support we possibly can. Thank you, Jatan, (laughs) Karen, Don. It's just been a great honor to uh, share the mic with you this morning. I, I just thank you very well, much. Well, it's an honor as far as we're concerned to have you running for election. You know, Oh, absolutely. Thank yeah, you. it's uh, about time. Because you're always one of those people that always comes to mind immediately when you think of community leaders and like who should be running for office. I know you. you've always come to mind for me with thank everything you. that you've already accomplished in this community. So thank you, thank you for all that you do and what you will continue to do for our city. And thanks again for everyone that is listening to this podcast. We want you to join this conversation. You can do so by sending us a comment to our Get Happy With Jay Facebook page and also go to the website, gethappywithjay.com. And however you listen to this podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, please rate the podcast and subscribe so that you can know whenever we upload great new content like this episode. So once again, vote and uh, support your local leadership. Thanks to Dr. Ali for joining us, to Don Jackson and Karen Wilson. And so until next time, as I always say, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish. It's self-care. Take care and thanks, everyone. Thanks. Amen. Bye.